0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth bonus episode of Independent Thought. I am your host, Desmond Price. Thank you again for tuning in to another bonus episode. I really do appreciate that. This episode was not supposed to be a bonus episode, unlike the previous three. Uh, We had some technical difficulties with this episode in particular. So we had to unfortunately record it uh, after the original time that we met to record. So this is a continuation of the conversation that we had in the episode, uh, Season 3, Episode 8, titled Multiple Perspectives. I had on guests Hunter Coleman and Lloyd Ogden in the first segment of that episode. We have the continuation of that conversation for you now in this bonus episode. Uh, Now, one of the reasons why we had these subjects brought up for this particular episode uh, was that I did have people reach out to me on Instagram and ask me some questions about how I felt about certain subjects. And so I decided to answer them in the episode. So for those of you who asked those questions, You know who you are this episode really is for you and for those of you out there who might be interested in having your questions answered by me in a future episode make sure to reach out to me on instagram at independent thought you can always dm me and share your feelings about things going on in the news episodes that i've covered and tell me about some topics that you might want me to talk about on the podcast in the future so with that being said thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the podcast already it is very much appreciated and next week is our 50th episode so if you would tune in for that as well it'll be a very special episode i will see you all in the next episode for now enjoy this bonus content with myself lloyd and hunter
1: Any Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauty's Beads is a full service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you whether you're a beginner or a pro they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality you can find them online at bathing beauties beads on instagram and facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com and don't forget to use offer code independentthought at checkout to save 15% on your order
0: welcome back from the break everyone Thank you for sticking with us at Independent Thought. If you have not already, please subscribe to the podcast. It is the best way to keep up with the episodes as they come out, because sometimes there are more than one episode that will come out in a given week. You might be listening to a bonus episode right now. Also, if you're trying to keep up with the inner workings of the podcast, the best place to follow me or the podcast is on Instagram at Independent Thought. I post things to my story daily, so that is the best place to keep up with the podcast. Now, before we went on to the break, we were discussing the $15 an hour minimum wage debate and the fact that the Democrats, in order to try to pass the $15 an hour minimum wage, are going to try to add it to a budget reconciliation process to avoid the filibuster. Now, the filibuster is something that, uh, I have been getting people asking me about my opinion on this. Uh, There was actually one person in particular who approached me this week on Instagram and asked me if I would give my feelings on the filibuster. Uh, You know who you are if you're listening to this episode right now. Uh, So yes, I have heard the different takes on the filibuster. And so I wanted to give everyone kind of my points of view and we're gonna hear from Hunter and Lloyd here in one moment, but first, Quick little bit of history on the filibuster itself. It was not originally a part of our constitution. Uh, however, it did make its way into the Senate proceedings in the early 1800s, where it was used a lot before and after the Civil War. Um, apparently there was some conversations that it was also one of the catalysts for a lot of tensions in the Senate leading up to the Civil War. However, over the time frame in the 1800s, Lots of senators have tried to get rid of the filibuster, but whenever that would happen, someone would just filibuster the proceedings to get rid of the filibuster. So the filibuster never went anywhere. And so what is the filibuster for those who don't know? Basically, it says this, uh, whenever you have a bill come into the Senate, it must be debated before it can go to an actual vote. And if a member of the Senate decides that they don't want to end a discussion, Well, then the bill will never have a chance to get voted on, and it just gets killed. It's a really stupid procedure, but it is what it is. It's what we are currently dealing with. And so the only way to avoid this is to get 60 senators to agree to end the discussion. And if you cannot get 60 senators to agree to end a discussion, then a legislation is considered filibustered. And so right now, the Democrats are trying to package in this $15 minimum wage into their $1.9 trillion-dollar omnibus plan through budget reconciliation to avoid this filibuster attempt from the Republicans, because they do not believe that they can get 10 Republicans to go along with their, uh, with their COVID relief plan. So now, let me open up the floor really quickly here. I'm going to start with Lloyd. Uh, what are your feelings on the filibuster? Do you think that this is an appropriate tool for the Senate, or do you think that we should abolish the filibuster? I
1: think personally, the filibuster, is uh, it's pretty silly. Uh, the idea that, uh, oh no, the filibuster is great. The, the idea that you need more more than just 50% to get along to me is awesome. I mean, you know, it's like your kids, right? Uh, you, you want them to get along. You want people to, to, have, a, to have a good relationship. And again, in the past, it was, this was never really an issue. There, there were times where it was an issue. It was never used this perversely in, in the past, right? When, it, when a bill was sponsored by a Republican going way back, you would see uh, Democrats you know, vote on that bill, vote yes on the bill sometimes. You would see, and that was the case for Democratic bills too. Republicans would vote yes on that. And as time goes by, you know, from the 1800s on, time goes by, those, those votes start to drop and drop and drop to the point where for the first time in history, uh, it's probably a t- handful uh, t- of years ago, uh, there was a, a, a session of Congress or a year where there was not a single vote from a republican to a, to a democrat bill or a democrat to a republican bill it was completely separated and we've just never seen that before right and that the idea of that is just is wild to me that we're so partisan that we you know this 50 percent majority you can just cram through anything you want because you have the votes that's silly to me right i don't like the idea of that but uh, it's also worth mentioning too like the filibuster is established by right the outgoing house majority and then the, or the outgoing majority and the incoming majority, right? They make a deal, they set the rules of Congress for that session. So they can say no filibuster, but they can also, when the next uh, session of Congress comes in, the majority can just reestablish that, right? If they had, if they had the power to. So a lot of context here, but yeah, I am I, against the idea of having a 50, you know, 50 votes with a tiebreaker be the deciding factor in legislation. You know that sounds scary to me. Like people I don't agree with, I wouldn't want them having that power. So I don't want the people I do agree with to have it either.
0: So you know, really quickly before we bring Hunter in here, I want to just let everyone know, just for um, just for the little behind the scenes action. This is actually the third time that we've tried to have this conversation, and your host here, Desmond Price, um, just accidentally did not hit the record button like an amateur. Uh, so this is actually the third time that we're having this conversation about the exact same thing because. Well, you know, we're trying our best to do our take three here, right? (laughs) Uh, So Lloyd already gave away all of the ending notes from our first take. Thanks, Lloyd. (laughs) Oh, sorry, Uh, I was refining it. Just
1: it sounded crisper the third time, you know.
2: (laughs) That's because you already knew everything that was going to be said. You're like, I'm just going to get it all in.
0: (laughs) So. All right. I, I guess, we're, you know, we're going to just we're going to improvise off that a little bit here. So Hunter, uh, really quickly, come on in. Uh, tell us, what are your feelings on the filibuster? Do you think that it's a good thing um, in the Senate? Do you approve of it, disapprove of it? Tell me your thoughts.
2: Well, I don't want people to miss out on what I said in take one. So here's here's <laughs> something. If you haven't seen the video, there's a great video of Ted Cruz getting up on the stage in front of the Senate to filibuster. And he opens his book and he just starts reading. He says, I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. I do not like them in a boat. And you see him read the entire book and he closes the book. He looks up at everyone and then he starts reading the book again. And he just, for 10 hours straight, he's just standing in front of these people just to avoid voting on something that he doesn't like. So the reason I bring that up is because it, it, it in that context, it's clear how silly it can be at times to use the filibuster. I think that historically there was a purpose between it, and I I don't know what the purpose was, but if I were to guess, I would guess the purpose was for everyone to have their ideas heard. Everyone needed to be on the same page and to at least hear the other person out. And then hopefully after they hear the ideas, they say, "Hmm, okay, all right, let's vote on it, right? But I think that it's been perverted because most things in our government system have been. Um, And they turned it into more of a, I don't like your idea, so, there's no way you're getting that through. And I think that's why there's a lot of people for the idea of pushing things through. And I, I do think that there's a place for the filibuster. I just think we have to figure out a more sophisticated way of using it because it's it's totally not okay to prevent uh, probably, if, if there's a, if there's a party in power, that means probably about a little bit more than half the country, Agrees with them, and I don't think that we should have policies that only 50% of the country agrees with. So that's again why there should be a filibuster. But there's a lot of times where people are against ideas that actually are very popular, and they hold those up. An example being this 1.9 trillion package. With uh, in particular, I don't know what percentage of the population. I'm going to guess like 30% of the population is like, no, we don't want any money. But there's a lot of people out here just waiting. You know, like, geez, can I get my $1,400. $1,400. That would be great anytime now. So I'm right, okay with right. budget reconciliation for that.
0: And can I interrupt you again really quickly here? You know, I'm trying you to already recreate have. The, the first take <laughs> magic. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Go for it. Go for it.
0: <laughs> I, I am, I'm always like blown away by people who tell me that they don't want a stimulus check. Like I I just, I've heard some people say that like, oh, well, I just don't even want that stimulus check. And it's just like, why wouldn't you want a stimulus check? Like it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You know, even the most conservative person who says like, oh, taxation is theft. It's like, why wouldn't you want the government to give you your money back? Like that is what that money is. That is tax money. That is tax revenue. Like why wouldn't you want them to give you your money back? I just, I can't even yeah. fathom where that thought would come from.
2: Well, and, and the only thing I can think of on that is that they do, they just listen to people on TV that, parrot out a bunch of things that they don't really understand the people listening they're hearing oh well this is what happened to other countries like venezuela and shit and they always go off of that they just pretend that that's a fact and then they start parroting these things back out that actually don't reflect their own interests but they look at the guy on tv that has way more money than they would ever know what to do with and they say oh yeah i'm sure he has my best interest at heart you know what i mean and that's a lot of where that comes from on both sides of the aisle for different issues
0: Right. And, you know, I think what we were saying the the first time around when we were talking about this, we were also talking about the fact that, you know, who, you know, wouldn't be upset with the whole getting the $1,400 check thing. And I just wanted to take a moment to kind of slam Joe Biden really quick. um, Because I I feel like this debate around, you know, uh, the $1,400 check versus the $2,000 check, this is really kind of obnoxious on the you know on the biden administration and on the mainstream media for this right now because they're trying to uh particularly with these 1400 checks they're trying to convince everyone that it's okay that biden said that you know we want to give you a two thousand dollar check but it actually means 1400 because if you add the 600 that you just got to this 1400 then if you use that math then you know then you get to 2000. And I just want to point out that if you take the $600 that you got from the Trump administration, so it didn't even actually come from you, Biden, and you add it to the the $1,200 that you got back in April of last year, then all Biden really has to do is give us $200, and that's a roundabout way to get to $2,000 as well. Yes. Because that's math, right? Now, this is a a stupid, stupid thing. Like Biden's trying to gaslight the American people into thinking that he said something that he didn't say. And maybe, you know, you're asking yourself, Desmond, why make a big deal out of $1,400 and 2000? That's still a stimulus check. Well, the difference being the $600 was a really big deal for a lot of people a few weeks ago. So let's not act like that doesn't matter. And it's just the principle of the fact. You said you were going to do it. So just do it. Like, why backtrack? There's no reason to backtrack. Like, you have all the power in the world to put this in the bill. Just put it in the bill. So, sorry, I had to rant about that for a second. Oh, you're good to go. We also know <laughs> it's possible, too. So I, Biden's a clown for this. This is yeah. a really dumb thing to die on a hill for. You know, like, you're already spending $1.9 And the only increase that people are asking for are direct checks. And of all the things that are in the stimulus package, it is the most universal thing. So it affects the most amount of people, does the most amount of good. Everything else in the bill is very targeted, you know, but everyone under 80K gets one of these checks. I I just don't know why you wouldn't fight for the most universally good thing in the bill. But anyway.
2: Well, if you really think about it, you know, if you consider the 1200 plus the 600, plus tax credits that you got last year on your tax returns, you actually owe him $1,000. Yeah, year. right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you saved your premium for Obamacare, you actually, yeah, you're, you're netting like $2,000 a year. Paid you
2: Man, well, everyone right? send in your checks to Biden. Just write it out in his name.
0: It's just, it's a really dumb thing for for Biden to really kind of like die on a hill for. And I hate that I've seen so many members of the media kind of like line up behind it. It's just like, ah, well, what he really meant, was you didn't know what he meant. I saw the speech. He said, you know, if you elect Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff, then we're going to have $2,000 checks go out the door immediately. Don't try to tell me that I saw something I didn't see. I saw what he said. And that was after Trump had already sent out the $600. So it was just like, come on now.
2: Like, As I, you had said before, they're trying to men and black us.
0: <laughs> they're trying to flashy eye thing us. They're trying to make <laughs> us believe that he said something that he didn't actually say. And it, it right. boggles the hell out of me. Anyway, <laughs> let, let's move on from that. So back to the filibuster really quickly here. I, I, I need to give my kind of two cents on this, because this is a topic that I see coming across um, a lot of people that I follow on social media, whether it's on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, people on the left will have you believe that if you're not willing to abolish the filibuster, that you're uh, contributing to a relic from the Jim Crow era, which I think is what Obama referred to it as, even though it's as that's not really why it was implemented, um, that you don't care enough about the issues if you're not willing to get rid of the filibuster. I think Elizabeth Warren tried to say that if you don't get rid of this, then you're just helping the Republicans. I hate the fact that this subject is being painted in such like a, a black or white picture. I mean, even the most left person in our Congress, Bernie Sanders, has come out and has been openly against getting rid of the filibuster, which he would probably know better than most because he successfully used it to uh, filibuster the Bush tax cuts back in 2013, I believe the year was. So he would know better than anyone that this is not something that you just want to get rid of. So the filibuster, you know, for just for being absolutely fair to the situation here, like when you're thinking about it like that, you're thinking about it in a very offensive minded way. You're thinking, okay, we want to go ahead and we want to get rid of this so that we can pass all the things that we want to pass. And that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of things that you can get done if the filibuster is not in place. You can uh, do climate change, Reconstruction basically. You can actually uh, go ahead and get this minimum wage bumped up. You can go ahead and do a lot more things with, I know people want to talk about the gun debate and have some laws passed that way. So you're thinking about all the things you can do if the filibuster wasn't in your way, but you're not really considering what would happen when the Republicans inevitably have control of the Senate again, which they will, because let's be fair, the Senate is really constructed to more or less be advantageous for the Republican Party as it currently is constructed. So the Republicans will have the Senate back. The question I want to ask all of you who are on this, let's get rid of the filibuster camp is, do you really, are you prepared for what's going to happen when the Republicans don't have a filibuster and the Democrats can't challenge anything that they want to do? In particular, if we just rewind the clock to 2016, they wanted to get rid of Obamacare back in 2016. And they did not have to, you know, uh, go through that process. They try to do budget reconciliation at that time themselves. But had they been able to get rid of it at that point in time, someone like me who's had to rely on marketplace health insurance would not have had any health insurance the last couple of years uh, because the Republicans could have just wiped it out without the filibuster back in that legislative uh, session. So it's kind of a pick your poison kind of deal, right? So you can get certain things done now, but you have to deal with the repercussions later. So I want to bring you guys back in really quickly here. Now I'm going to start with uh, you, Hunter. Like, what do you feel about that? Do you feel like people are not really seeing the full picture here? Do you think it's worth it still?
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely, uh, if there's people that are going to look at it that way, you have to remember the shoe is going to be on the other foot and you're going to have to accept the consequences of that going forward. That's going to be a huge problem. There's a lot of priorities that, Democrats in this scenario would have, say the Republicans come back in 2022, and then they reopen all the pipelines and start hurting the environment because they now have control after you just spent two years trying to fix it because you had control, right, as as a general example. And then they do all these things. One, it's counterproductive. They're just tearing down everything you built. And two, it doesn't have any staying power. No one has any staying power in that scenario. If you have these votes have to be more bipartisan, when something's passed, it's harder to overturn later in the future. So the shoe on the other foot kind of thing is super important there. And I do think, um, to steal some of Lloyd's points, because he did it to me, uh, <laughs> he, he brought up that you could change it and then change it back. It, it, the thing is, is once one party does it, it's going to become like, you did it, so I'm doing it kind of thing. So you, if you take the filibuster out one time, there's at least going to be four or five sessions in a row where they don't bring that filibuster back in before someone noble, a whole Senate noble enough to say, you know what, we should have kept the filibuster. This was a bad idea. I don't know if that would ever happen once That's you right. actually let that That's out right. of the bag. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Now, Lloyd, uh, go ahead and jump on in here. Like, what are your thoughts on this? Do you, do you think that, you know, the filibuster should stay? I mean, should it go? I mean, where, where are we, what are we going to do with this thing? I mean, because mm-hmm. it is an issue, I, I feel like. It's just a matter of what we want to do with it. It
1: should definitely stay. Like like you said, you, you don't want to give that to, to the other team, right? The, 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 there eventually will be a bad team, right? I don't know whatever side you think is the right or wrong side, but there will be a side that does something inappropriate, and you don't want that to be – you want that to be audit of some sort. So, yeah, the filibuster, it has to stay, in my opinion. I think that, uh, again, if, if you really wanted um, more – if you really wanted to get your side – Legislation pass through, then convince Republicans to vote with you, and stop electing these moderate nobody candidates like Joe Biden in the first place that don't have support from Republicans. I just do, do do things that are that are that are more progressive, or, or actually mean mean what you say, and actually do two thousand dollar checks. Like get your policy, make your policy, be about your policy, and make a good policy instead of this idea that you can just push any candidate through and anything through as long as you have the votes. Uh, I, I think the football needs to stay. So.
0: Yeah, you know, just kind of like round off this topic a little bit. You know, I, I again, I understand like how much of an impediment it really is on our society. Because like I, I've said on Lloyd's podcast, uh, the lip service podcast in the, you know, in previous months that the gridlock in Washington is the most obnoxious thing ever. I mean, we all just want to see things get done. And the filibuster is honestly in place to keep things from getting done. So it sounds very hypocritical right now. But you know, at the same time, there is a danger to not having that roadblock there. And so I, I think you know, after we've kind of come through this whole you know, subject here, I would say that I would keep it, but I would like for it to be changed. I, I don't know that I want the, the 60 vote threshold, maybe bringing it down to, I don't know, 58, 55. It, it does feel like it is instituting too much gridlock but I'm not opposed to the idea of having to work with the other side in order to get things done, which I know sounds crazy right now, because as you pointed out, Lloyd, we are in such this hyper partisan place that no one wants to work with each other. And I, I don't know exactly how we heal that divide, but I don't think that, you know, we're just playing like, Oh, it's my turn. Oh, now it's your turn. I, I just don't know that that's really a great thing for our future, but moving off from that topic a little bit, I wanted to briefly touch on another topic, which I was kind of slammed on on Instagram for uh, some of the comments that I made about it, which is the GameStop, um, well, what, what are we going to call this, the GameStop phenomenon, oh, the GameStop crisis. Uh, my favorite thing, my favorite <laughs> thing. Oh, so <laughs> I, I put a poll on Instagram saying that, uh, well, I don't think it was a poll. I put a story up and I said that I do not think that the GameStop story should be getting as much attention as it was getting. And then I had a bunch of people DM me and tell me that I was absolutely wrong and that it did deserve all the attention that I was getting. So here I am now trying to you know, rectify this egregious error and trying to have an open conversation about what exactly happened with uh, GameStop. And so I'm going to open the floor first to Hunter. Uh, what do you know about what happened with the GameStop stock and why is it such a big deal?
2: Yeah. Okay. So one, I'm I'm super excited about it. My favorite thing that can happen in this entire country is when rich people get screwed over. I mean, if you have a billion dollars and something bad happens to you, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm totally into that. And normally I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I don't know. I guess I've made them the enemy. But basically the way the way it happened was that a ton of hedge funds had a bunch of money shorted on GameStop. So they took a position where say GameStop was at $8, I don't remember what it was, but say it was at $8, they borrowed a bunch of that stock. And then they, pay, they said, okay, we're gonna use that for now. And then later we'll pay it all back. So, but their plan is that the stock will go down over the next couple of days. So then when they pay it back, they're only paying back $4 a stock. Right. So they're actually going to make a ton of money if that happens. Now, a bunch of people on Wall Street Bets on Reddit said, hey, look at all this short stock that these hedge funds are doing. You know, if we drove the price up like a shit ton, they didn't, I don't even know if they expected what happened. But if we drove that up, then they would have to pay back at more than what they bought. So if it was $8, maybe they'd have to pay back at 16 So now they're paying double what they would have for that stock, making it a bad decision. And I don't know what the number they drove it up was, but it was a ton. And these hedge funds lost billions of dollars. I mean, just a crap ton of money. And I couldn't be happier about that personally. And then the worst part about what happened, though, if anyone doesn't know right now, is that then they came in and started saying, I hate to use this word, but maybe we need some regulation after they spent decades saying we don't need any regulation, you know, but the moment it's not working out for them. They say, oh, these poor, stupid Americans don't know what they're getting into. They're getting in over their heads and someone's going to be left carrying that debt. You know what I mean? And it's like, "What? we're not allowed to make our own decisions. We're not smart enough, but you are, you big, wise overlord. Oh
0: my God! Yeah,
2: that's that's my version of I don't know what Lloyd would say. I'm I'm assuming something similar to that. Pretty
0: similar to that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Lloyd, come on in, join this conversation. What exactly was your reaction to everything that happened with it?
1: Again, GameStop, go brrr! That was my reaction, right? I love it. You know, um, I, your your summarization was perfect. I won't elaborate on that anymore. I mean, it was spot on. It went from like eight dollars to like four hundred dollars to put into context. There, right? You have thousands of these stocks. You're you're paying back. You know, I think it end up being like in the billions of dollars, right? Almost near trillions of dollars. But so, um, why, why is it important? Why is this a crucially important story to me? One, it shows you that the system is rigged. The system will cheat you until it fails, and then it will fix the rules that you know, that it, it'll shore up the rules that, that it needs and leave you in the dust, right? Like it, the, the whole system, Democrats, the whole Wall Street system is, is broken for you. And Democrats came to, to the aid of of the of the hedge fund managers when this happened, right? Um, the next thing is um, why it's grossly important is you do have an impact, right? You know, p- average people came in, they bonded together. It, was, it wasn't it was just GameStop. It was also AMC. You saw it with Nokia. There's a couple other stocks that they did the same thing with, right? And- um, why Why is that important? Because it shows how stupid people are, right? GameStop is a dying industry. Nokia is dying. Uh, uh, these, these uh, what's the other one? AMC is dying. They're, they're going to be on the way out, right?
0: And oh, the value wow of that now. stock- I hope that AMC doesn't die. Sorry, I had to put that in there.
2: good. Me too, I've got stock in them right now. So, so it, I hope they come
0: it back.
1: Proves, <laughs> it really proves that the, the, the value of that product is not is the same. GameStop is still the same company. That's outdated. They don't. We don't play buy games anymore that way whether it's $8 or $400, it means absolutely nothing. It's an arbitrary number. The stock market is essentially just this arbitrary thing that just you make up numbers and then that just becomes your money, right? And so it shows that stupid people can do it too, but it's still really stupid. The whole system is just stupid. That's really what it really proves to me. And that's really important to understand how how silly that system is. So,
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I could not agree more. And I, I think that's going to bring us to our final topic of the day which is, you know, I mean, obviously, what we're seeing from this whole GameStop situation is that there are those in this country who have tremendous amounts of power to do whatever they want to, and then they get really upset when just the everyday average person tries to do the exact same thing that they've been doing every single day, every week, every year for decades now. Like, how dare these peons come in here and try to play our game with us, right? So this is the question that I really have. When we're talking in America about whether or not we should be taxing rich people more, why shouldn't we when they are able to kind of rig the economy in the way that they're able to do it? Because I I hear all the time, and I put these polls up on Instagram, I've had conversations about this in, in real life where I say, should we raise taxes on the 1% or on the rich in this country? And there are still so many people who think, no, we, we tax them enough. Do we? I mean, shouldn't, we, shouldn't there be more like, shouldn't there be more, I guess, like roadblocks in the way of these people? Because they already have so many things working to their advantage. Shouldn't they be taxed more? Tell me why or why not. Um, Lloyd, I want to start with you.
1: You know, I'm your resident libertarian here, right? Taxation. Yes, that's why I want to start with you. Uh, so uh, I'm on the same page, honestly. This is where I lean. I lean left on this because, again, tax is not ideal, but you can tax in a way that's effective and productive, right? And you also, if you look back in time, we taxed at like 90% above certain thresholds, right? Now, how did they get out of that with their, you know, they had loopholes and they have, you know, write-offs and stuff. And that's, that's always existed and that still exists, but that isn't, but the, the the actual 90% tax rate or whatever it was has gone down to 22 for the first time. I think 2020 was the first time in history, the overall tax rate for the, the, the top 5% was less than the middle class. So it was 22% for them, 23% for everyone else. That is including their write-off so that, that doesn't include their write-offs. So they can, they still have the write-offs and you see Amazon, you see all these companies pay 0% zero zero $0 for all taxes. Trump pays 750. This, this idea is ludicrous to me. Like they're clearly not hurting. And I, and I, you're not, you don't stifle, you don't stifle the, uh, the, uh, the innovation by taxing the profits, right? You can stifle it by taxing certain things, but not if you tax the profits, you're not stifling anything, right? You're just taking money out of people who have more money. That's all you're doing. So uh, again, taxes theft. I want to put that out there, but we absolutely can tax the rich more, 100%. No question about it. Anyone tells you otherwise
0: is, is just, I don't know, their head's in the sand. You did a really great job of of being on both sides of that coin just now. I want to say that was that was very well done, Lloyd. Uh, I, I like it though. I like it. Um, Hunter, come come on in. W- what is your opinion on this? Do the do the rich need to be taxed more? Why or why not?
2: Well, I'll tell you, my wife, actually, she, it was very interesting. She, we're talking about Steven Mnuchin, who's not, I mean, he's rich, right? He's got like 500 million net worth. And she had said something before I pulled that up. Like he probably makes like $10,000. He probably makes more in a year than I make in a month. And I'm, or more in a month than I make in a year. I'm like, honey, you wish that was all it was. You wish, yeah. you could not fathom the kind of money this man makes in a month. He makes like 10 to 15 million a month. He makes more than you'll ever make in a lifetime in a single month. And she's like, holy crap, right? We forget to think about it like that, but that's what's really going on at those top levels. And the problem is that like, you can't tax them because they won't have enough money. They won't, they'll only have like $1 billion, Desmond, like how oh, are they supposed to survive on just $1 billion? I don't know what I would do if I had $1 billion, but I know it'd be hard for me and my life wouldn't be good enough. So yeah, I, I, think, I think it's hard to tax them if you consider it that way. But if you're a reasonable person, obviously it's ridiculous. It's absolutely out of control. The wealth inequality in this country is the biggest issue we have. I think it's easily the biggest issue. If we got that under control, and we said, okay, listen, you got $1 billion. Congrats, you won. You win the game. Monopoly is yours. Okay, you take your board, go home and give us the rest. Okay, seriously, that's it's out of control. You don't need that much money. And we don't have, for some reason, there's still a lot of people that are like, no, don't do that. Because I think they think they're gonna be part of the club someday. They think that yeah. somehow that Absolutely. might apply to them. And it's like, trust me, it's, it's not you. <laughs> it's just not, you know? And if it is you, trust me, you're gonna be fine with the billion dollars that you have you're not going to be hurting. So it's going to be okay for you. And there's going to be more money in people's pockets. It's going to circulate through our economy better. It's going to help things maybe not for that 1% or less than 1%, but for everyone else, it's going to make your life a lot better.
0: Right. And you know what? Uh, thank you for both giving me your, your takes on this. I'm just going to wrap this, this conversation up by just basically saying this, um, there is no way that I can fit all of my outrage into what is the remaining time left that we have in this episode on this subject. So I'm trying to be brief about this because the idea that we shouldn't tax the rich more is basically the only reason that that conversation has any traction is because the rich have been able to essentially hire enough people to lobby on their behalf on multiple cable news networks. So often over the years in order to try to like, again, men in black flashy, I think, people into believing that for some reason that they shouldn't be taxed more than they currently are, because, you know, they'll put out the figures saying, oh, we're taxed this much. Oh, we're taxed this much. No, no, you're not. As you know, Lloyd was pointing out, there are so many loopholes, there's so many ways you can write off taxes that the rich pay less in taxes than we do when you look at just an overall percentage. So obviously our taxing system is broken. I, I don't know that it's just as simple as just raising taxes because with all the like write-offs and loopholes that are currently in the system, raising the taxes might not be enough. I mean, I think the real answer is we need to just reconstruct our tax code in general. There's too many ways that rich people have a way of getting out of paying taxes. The system should not be that the more wealthy you are, the less you pay into the system. That that should not be it. We shouldn't be taxing poor people into oblivion and letting rich people like ride, you know, like scot-free. The, the system is not correct the way it's currently set up, and we need to address that. But unfortunately, that is a conversation that is too long for this particular episode. We'll revisit it again in the future. I want to say thank you to my guests. Uh, for this week's episode, Hunter and Lloyd, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I hope to have you both on again in the future, um, gentlemen. Any final thoughts uh, before we end this episode, Lloyd? I'll let you go first. No,
1: nope. Desmond, it was a pleasure. Uh, I always enjoy good political political feeder here, you know. So, uh, and so Hunter, haven't haven't seen you in a bit. Uh, hopefully, we can get a uh, we can get back together and get some nonsense going on here. So uh, get 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 that uh, get that universal basic income going. You know what I mean.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, Hunter, you got any final thoughts for you?
2: Yeah, uh, one pleasure, as always. Love you, Desmond. Love you, Lloyd. Um, Anyone who's listening on the filibuster in particular, I'd love to hear some extra thoughts, uh, maybe some perspectives I haven't heard. Uh, Leave them in the comments or talk to Desmond about it. He always comes back to me and tells me some of the stuff that's been said. So I'm someone that you could easily change the mind of if you presented a good argument on that. So, and have a great day, everybody.
0: All right. Well, as you know, Hunter was saying, if you have any comments about anything that we talked about on this episode, my DMs are always open. Uh, so please uh, reach out to me on Instagram or on Twitter, preferably on Instagram. I spend more time on there at Independent Thought. Uh, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. We will see you in the next one. Take it easy.